Welcome back to Damn It All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, and I am on fire today. And actually, Tracy Deeds just called me salty, which I will take, because of the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and I fucking loved it, and the whole world can go fuck off. And I'm Tracy Dates, and I fucking love America. <laughs> so there. And I'm super excited to have our first Republican guest, <laughs> Jen Harrington. Jen runs Conservative Connector, the largest email fundraising company in the country. She's asked that we keep the penis talk to a minimum. We're going to have a swear jar. I already owe like $25. And every time Kelly or I swear, I was going to say we'd lose a nickel, but I only have 20s and 50s today. <laughs> which I joke <laughs> is a Republican swear jar. <laughs> which is which is a Republican <laughs> swear jar. So I am absolutely going to be broke. broke. We have lots of fun stuff to talk about today, and we're so excited to have Jen Harrington here. Jen, do you want to say a few words about who you are and what you do and why you are so awesome? <laughs> Making her very uncomfortable. Sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm totally obsessed with you guys. <laughs> Love this show. I've listened to every episode. I just really like what you guys are doing here. I really like that you guys can get on every single week <laughs> and talk about some of these really divisive issues and still get together and celebrate holidays together. And just we really still super love each other. We do. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's really important. And I strive to be more like that. So. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're listening and that you like it. Mm-hmm. And we want more women to listen. And Tracy's like my gateway drug to Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> it I just opens up. Like, it opens everybody up to their to Everybody the other can side. get along. Uh-huh. Until the end of this episode, right. which is... <laughs> wait, just wait for it. God knows wait what's going to happen. Again, I'm so excited Jen's here because I have somebody back me up this time. I know. I on, feel like this is what Trace has been saying. Side. Oh, it's going to we'll be two versus one. Yeah, we'll I feel see. like every... <laughs> Twelfth thing I say, Jen thinks is maybe kind of relatable. She does. She agrees with you sometimes. <laughs> I she do. agrees with I you. Do. Sweet. Yes. If she agrees with you today, no. <laughs> fuck actually, that. I have. I Here's have a my li- fifty dollars. I have a little Jen story, which is Tracy and I did the Polly's, which is this association conference, and we did an unrecorded episode. And I don't know if I mentioned it on here, but it was a rough one. We were talking about equal pay. That is a rough thing. The audience was super mixed, both in partisanship, but also in age and demographic. And that is also sort of an intersection of what we do that we haven't explored very much. And to me, it felt like there was this one woman in the audience that really came for me. And we had this back and forth. And it was hard for me. I was affected by it afterwards. And Jen came up to me that day, but also the following day and said that she identified with what I was saying and recognized that was probably a difficult situation for me and thought that maybe it was an inappropriate action by the person in the audience. And I feel like you were the first person to say it. And I feel like that wasn't Tracy or people that, you know, say shit like that to me just because they have to. And I took a big, deep breath. So thank you very much for that. You know, that was a kind It's important. Like, those conversations are important that we have them openly and that people can express their views. I always come away from those saying, you know, I didn't think about it in this way. I also think that's why conferences like the AAPC, where you're having mixed groups, mm-hmm. are so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Woohoo, bipartisanship. So it's, we it's don't have good, a lot of it. It's good that you're talking about inclusion and supporting other women, because that's going to come up. I mean, it's going to come up later when we talk about Michelle Wolf. Yeah, I got something to say about that. All anyway, right. right now we're going to move on to a poll that just came out in Newsweek just a couple days ago that said nearly 60 percent of Republicans don't want a woman president in their lifetime. And this is what I've been saying for the last 23 episodes. So what we don't actually know is what the age of the respondents were. There were 1,500 that were polled. It was a YouGov poll, so it was all online, which would have led me to believe it was a slightly younger demographic, but not necessarily. Or at least a mixed up. Like, you couldn't do 1,500, 55-plus people on an online-only poll, I don't think. Right. 
I would say, how old are the respondents just because... Are they ones who are going to be alive in 2024? Are they actually going to be voting in that? Oh, Lord. I mean, Trump's going to win 2020. So. Yeah, see, I just don't think that's the case. Totally but all right, this, that's like our first. We should have a different jar. That's the two versus one jar. But all right. But I don't understand the results of the poll. I don't understand anybody who would vote for somebody primarily based on gender for or against. So, so is it just old men? Can we just... No, no, women are... So I realize that I've probably had an opportunity to explore the results of the 2016 presidential election more than you guys, just partisanship. We're really sure. exploring deep into the Democratic bench and what does that mean and what were some of the realities of that? And there was a big group of people that said in not really exit polls because they weren't the day of the election, but in follow-up qualitative research that it was not time for a woman to be in the Oval yet. And most of that comes from women. So the Republican women that voted for Donald Trump believed that there was not a place for a woman in the White House. That's why they didn't vote for Hillary or they just didn't like Hillary? Not Republican. That's what I'm saying. So it was across the across board. Across the board. So there were I mean, we were just women. exploring Democrats because we are obviously trying to do yeah. research so, for how we win things right. going on in the future. So you're saying Democratic women weren't ready for a woman. That's the pile of information that oh, wow. that I had. And a lot of it is, and this is more qualitative and, and being in focus groups. And Jen, have you ever sat in a focus group of like swing voters in the middle of the country kind of thing? No, no. only in Nevada. So, yeah. well, Nevada <laughs> is a weird of... state too, for sure. I mean, a lot of this, yeah. it depends on if it's the Las Vegas media market or the Reno media. Those are like very different. Las Vegas. Yeah. It's different, but it remains that a lot of women have unspoken issues with women that have followed a path that they either felt like they couldn't or didn't want to in their lives. And so there is this unspoken reality of feeling some sort of jealousy or anger towards a woman that can go places that you never thought you had the space to go. I would agree that I've seen that. I also, in my own personal life, feel like I have just become awake to this issue. Not women's issues being that I am a woman, but being more aware of the struggle and the biases that we face Mm -hmm. in everyday life. so And I think some of that translates into this yes. information. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see, you said you looked at the questions. I looked at the mm-hmm. article, and I'm not exactly sure how it was worded, but some of it was like, if you had the choice that you would like to see a woman as the president. So it was sort of not like, would you not vote because she was a woman, right? It was not that so clear The cut. questions are a little weird. So the one question was, do you personally hope that the United States elects a woman president of the United States in your lifetime or not? Right. It's aspirational. Right. They wanted mm-hmm. these people to make an, a statement about what their hopes and dreams are. And so 66% yes. said yes, and 34% said no. That's mixed partisanship. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then when it was broken out further, right. it turns out that... The Republicans were the ones that said, eh, eh. 59% of Republicans said no. But it wasn't that they wouldn't vote for a woman because she was a woman. It was that they didn't think it was important that a woman takes this role on for larger purposes. And I looked into the data to try and understand that. And I am no data analyst, but I couldn't find something that would point to like, oh, here's the reason. I just, I'm concerned this poll may be accurate. Yes. And so. I, I am, I, there's not any piece of me that thinks it's inaccurate. But if, the, but if the age, to your point, like if you're talking about people that are all over the age of 55, which we could, because women over the age of 55, I absolutely believe are different than women, you know, our age. But do you guys, have you, you guys heard of this that? post-feminist movement? So it's like people in our generation, I'm just going to assume the three of us are in the same generation, had a, a kind of feminism that allowed us to have some thought process of we can have it all, some version of we can have mm-hmm. it all. 
women younger than us, maybe like a half a generation down, felt that it was just a better place to raise their babies. Like, why don't they get that choice? Why does feminism say that staying home and raising your babies is not a good avenue? And there was sort of retribution to the idea that women should try to want to have it all with not accepting the idea that having it all could be the decision just to stay at home with your babies. Well, so I think that that's is all, yeah, that's all a to democratic say. thing. Yeah. What do you mean? No, I think Democrats expect women. It's like when Kelly and Conway didn't want to be chief of staff at the White House, all Democrats lost their shit because she didn't want a job that big because she wanted to take care of her kids and she wanted to have more time at home and the flexibility. And And I think there is some pressure. You don't pressure. think Republican women have any judgment about the decisions women make what to do with their life? You think less they're so. free I think of judgment? So. No, I don't, think, I don't think anybody's free of judgment ever. But I think mm. on the Democratic women are far more harsh <laughs> on women striving and pushing and trying to get ahead as opposed to, I don't even want to say just because then I sound like a Democrat. Instead of choosing to be a stay-at-home mom. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. It's the hardest job any woman will ever do. (laughs) I can tell you from the six weeks that I was home (laughs) with my first child, it is hard. It is much harder than getting an Annie and going back to work. At the risk of playing a role here, which I realize is what I'm doing, there is something to be said, do y'all agree or disagree, that if women don't choose to break down barriers and boundaries and obstacles, then advancement is a harder thing to achieve. This is not to say every woman has to go out and be in a corner office, but isn't there some advantage to women getting big jobs so women are in those jobs so it becomes more normal that women are in those jobs and yeah, so women coming sure, up see women Sure, but why isn't it just jobs. an advantage to stay home and take care of your babies if that's what you want to do? Well, if that's if you what take you want to If you take out the what you want to do part, just in a vacuum. So you think there's a lot of women that are staying home but they don't want to stay home? It's a hard question. I'm asking that myself. I've been married for two and a half months, and you think about congratulations. A, thank you. <laughs> you think about starting a family. I've actually asked Tracy this question. Even though I'm not pregnant, you start thinking, okay, I'm running a company. I'm mapping out what I want to do, what I don't want to do, and the reality is, with the way I manage and how many sales I do, I can't go away for three or four months. That's not a possibility, and do my job. So what do you do? Lordy, Tracy and I. We were not on the air when we, but we were screaming at each other about this recently mm-hmm. because I. Because I had given think, somebody some advice to stay in a job that they weren't super happy with. They're in a high position, they're making a bunch of money. It's easy. And they're thinking about having another baby. And so the question is do I go out and I try to find a new job or do I chill where I am, have another baby? get that all under control and then move forward. And she just unleashed Lost on me. Was like, shit. that is the worst fucking advice I have ever heard. Well, like, that's an exaggeration. That is true. It was but slightly hyperbolic there. I but. think that there should be a culture shift to allow space so women don't have to make that incredibly hard decision that you are experiencing. But it's not a matter of her making, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to speak for you, but she is that company. If she disappears, the company is going to lose a fuck ton of revenue for three months if she disappears. So the option is she has to have a baby and like work from home and keep working and just suck it up for three months just so that her company stays afloat. It's not like she works for, for a, a giant big company. corporation no, I get that. where she can I get just that. disappear for three months. I get months. that. We can't but, survive that kind of loss. Right. Can so. you train up a deputy and pay them while you're on maternity leave? And what if the government, God forbid, subsidized parental leave to support mothers being able to continue their careers and have babies? You why, want the government you get to, to subsidize both? a Republican fundraising company? In Canada, they do. It's a Republican fundraising company. She pays taxes. She's a tax-paying business owner. So you're going to take 
my money and give it to other people who are having children to subsidize, say I never have children. Yeah, Do I, mean, I have to pay for other people assuming to... Assuming that you work in a company only with people that don't have children. Most people in this country will work with people and depend on people professionally that have children. So it is an advantage that would benefit everybody. Unless you were a shop of one that never had kids. But the problem which is isn't far that less the company won't pay you. Because they probably would. They would probably totally pay you for three months. The problem we, is sales are going to go down. Yeah, we are the kind of company that, um, well, first of all, I'm the one making all the rules, even though I don't technically own the company. Our vacation policy is we don't have one. You take off what you need and you come in when you need. I will say with that kind of policy, we do have to push people to actually take it. Right. My company that I own and run, same Mm -hmm. thing. But it just basically means people work themselves to the bone. Mm -hmm. The benefit of the company that I work in is we're cyclical. I don't know if you work in campaign politics, but my children were born in 2011 and 2013 because that's when I could take time off. But why did you have to? Right. And I couldn't do it in 12 and 14, or I chose not to do it. But I found a But how is that any different than me telling my friend to choose to make a career move based off of when she may have children? Because I wasn't compromising my happiness. She's not compromising her She debt. is. No. Well, she could be happier in a different job. She could also be stressed and miserable. A, but she could be stressed and miserable having a baby at the same time, taking on a new role. Certainly. What I was advocating for was, why can't you have a job that you like, that you succeed at and strive at, and not be given the space and time to also continue humanity? Why is it an and or scenario? I think both those things exist, but I think that saying we can do everything all at the same time makes women feel less than when they can't. So women, the other big thing I have with this is women are always the ones making the sacrifice. So I don't know what your husband does, but is there space for you to say, I am biologically the only one of the two of us that can make this baby, but I run a company, the sales are completely on me. So you take off three and a half months. I'll take a week. I'll get She's that baby breathing. Feed the baby. Sure. He'll drive the baby to her office. She's making the money and he'll take off the time. And, you know, but we don't live in that society either because men don't often get paternity leave the same way women do for companies because society says women are the ones that have to make those decisions. Well, this is where I might veer off. <laughs> And that I'm far more traditional in the gender roles. Only women can have babies. And I feel very strongly that no other success can compensate for, you know, failure in the home. And I think that the focus on the family is priority above all So you for both genders. That inclination, the traditional mm-hmm. inclination, would lead your happiness factor to taking a step back professionally so you can succeed on the home front. Happiness times 10 is entirely lies with the family as yeah. opposed to work. You can find satisfaction and joy in all of those things in work, and I do, but that's nothing compared to the family. Sure. So I think for people who I mean, prioritize mm-hmm. that like you, great. You've been running a kick-ass company. You'll step back when you have a family so you have the happiness on the home front. Totally, that's the choice mm. everyone gets to make. But for women who find equal happiness in both sectors, I would put myself in that category. Why is it harder for me than my husband? And my husband does almost 100% of the home. He does all the laundry, all the cooking. He takes care of the kids 90% of the time. Then why is it harder for you if he does all of that? Because the feedback I get is much harsher than him. He gets accolades for doing it, and I get guilt yeah. for not. Yeah. Because it's a cultural expectation. And if I respect a traditional viewpoint, and I'm sorry to listeners if, if I've come across as not, I certainly do. I just think the respect should also be you are, equal on the other side. And you're right. And I think that society is a problem here when it comes to men and the expectations there. Men should absolutely be equal partners in this. And a lot of women that I talk to around my age are finding that's not the case. And they're having to 
educate sounds condescending, but have the conversations (laughs) with their husbands of this is how it looks like to me and being surprised that that's not the way it was seen before so that their husbands aren't being as supportive. supportive. Yeah. No, it just some of it can be just being oblivious to the issues, yeah. but it's the women I'm having these conversations and the men of our same age are right. Oblivious. Right, cuz it's everybody's on a path. And mm-hmm. men's path has been super linear, right? You get married and that's great and you have a great wife and maybe your wife has kids and I think it's pretty modern history that men have carried some of that load when their path has been curvy like a woman's path. And I think that that is unfair. And I think, you know, it's always my job on this podcast to try to bring us back to our original point of conversation. I think that has a lot to do with this poll. I agree. Because women, historically, in a traditional content, in a country like ours with 320 million voters, a lot of those are places with generational, cultural, deep roots. Women's domain has been the home front, and a man's domain has been the work front. And when you put a woman in the oval, it's just a little much. I think time is going to change all of that. Totally, us. totally. And we definitely totally. are. And there yes. were all those cartoons that I just saw recently where it's got like a picture of the dad on his phone at the park and the kids playing. And everybody's like, oh, look, he's such a good dad. And there's right. a picture of a woman on her phone. <laughs> like, and they're like, that bitch is not igno- she's ignoring her kids. Like, what the fuck is up with that? So, yeah, I think it's a big deal. And not to make a non sequitur, but I do think that it sort of relates to Michelle Wolf's comedy bit at yeah, the White House. We can move right Center. on into that. Mm-hmm. And this Which is, is awesome. what I said in the beginning of the podcast. This is why I'm fired up. But it doesn't even need any lead in. Usually in here, we have to do a big lead in. But if you haven't heard about it, you live in a cave because it's legit fucking everywhere. But Michelle Wolf did this blazing, they call it the harshest comedy skit in the history so of the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I don't think it dinner. was the harshest. They're harsh every year. And I actually went back and read last year's skit. Which it's, was... an Indian-American, um, and I'm going to jam up the name, so I'm just going to look it up. I have it pulled up right here. He was pretty nasty. Hassan right? Minhaj. Yes. Yeah, he was I mean, also from The Daily Show. He picked on Russia. He picked on alternative facts. So he also picked on Kellyanne Conway. So I'm just going to leave this off because I know you guys will jump all the fuck over me. But she's getting more criticism because she's a woman. No. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't really actually understand the criticism. I listened to it. I didn't watch it when it happened. I actually mm-hmm. only listened to it because I knew we would be talking nobody, about it here. Because nobody watches it. It's like the ratings is only people inside of D.C. and right, New York like, watch it. Like nobody watches it. I mean, my Twitter feed was filled with it yeah. because I follow all journalists, D.C. people yeah. and journalists. And so so I had to go back and watch it. And I'm watching it. And maybe it's because I already had the perspective of all of the commentary in the back of my mind. I was expecting far worse. I just don't think that this is unusual for comedians to make fun of conservatives in this way or even make the attacks personal. I also thought she went after liberals. Yeah, totally. I was going to say it was mostly conservatives, but you guys run this town right now. So there's more of you to make fun of. That's fair. It's your administration. It's also, you know, asking comedians. It's like watching SNL when President Obama was in office. It wasn't funny because (laughs) they they didn't know how to make fun of one of somebody they thought was doing everything right. It's just a... Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're making fun of characteristic things and, you know, speech cadences and stuff. But on the woman thing, so... Michelle did an interview with Terry Gross, and she said that she thinks they picked her because she's a woman and we're in a Me Too moment. And they thought that she would 
go more easy because we're in a Me Too moment. They thought that she would. That's their mistake. Right. They right. and she even got up there and said it. Yes, She's like you should have done. You can't research. shut me up. Should have done your research. <laughs> I I actually think she was picked by them because she was a woman. Yeah, I think the criticism of her, some of it, I think, has just been overblown. Certainly, I, I, I didn't. I didn't think she was very funny, and oh. I didn't like her abortion joke. But I peed my pants laughing. So That's I thought the first seven minutes were hysterical. Why? Like I thought just her jokes were freaking hysterical, and I don't remember all the specifics. But she went after the yarn, the joke about grabbing Trump and bringing him back. He's here, the only pussy you can't grab. Pussy. Like I thought that was actually kind of funny. I mean, and well deserved. I did not like the abortion joke. I thought it was too much, and everything. but again. She's a comedian. She knew it was too I, much. Just, I mean, I'm she even goes, uh, you know what I mean? Um, like, she sort of shied away from it. But there is choice advocates that probably, yep. if she's a pro-choice comedian who takes things beyond, she applied that same formula to I, that category. I think you could be pro-choice and still not find that joke funny. <laughs> For sure. Quite frankly. Yeah, well. I thought the Kellyanne Conway and the Sarah Huckabee Sanders stuff was a little bit harsh. Oh, she picked on women that don't stand up for women. So you make a point about including women and yep. not attacking women, and that's exactly what she did. Well, like, she, she attacked women. And again, listen, I'm actually fine with it because she's a comedian, free speech. They paid her to come—maybe they paid her. I don't know. She sure came. She came to do this. She's a comedian. She did her job. You either like her or you don't like her. I liked some of it. I didn't like some of it. The left and the right have their opinions. The right is losing their shit. The left is, like, praising her. And that is the great thing about America. The is right that is she not can praising get her. The, the left, sorry. The le- they're all cutting her down. Sorry, Nobody's the, praising her. I basically, the left, odd, my left is basically liberal okay, comedians. My are left echo chamber on Facebook is praising the oh, shit like out humans. of her. Oh, like humans. Yes. Not, but sorry. not reporting people, yeah. not like industry no, people. No, reporters are a bunch of pussies. So they're not doing anything. They're all They're supporting in their Sarah Sanders Huckabee I'll and Kellyanne Conway. $50 in the cup. <laughs> reporters are the worst. I love reporters. Just kidding. Except for the ones that I know that are friends of mine, and then you guys are great. Are you having a stroke? I'm all over the place. I just don't know why Republicans go to this thing. So my husband and I got into a conversation about this last night. My husband has been a professional on Capitol Hill the entirety of his life. He's always worked for Democrats, but he's a communications professional on Capitol Hill. These are his people, right? And he's like, you don't understand, Kelly. The intention of the White House Correspondents' Dinner is so that politicians and media can break bread together, forget the significance and severity of their relationship and have a little levity. That is apparently the reason that this thing started. It started in 1921. Also, Donald Trump, the first president in 36 years not to come. And last year he didn't come either, but he just, guy can't take a joke. But there Maybe is... Maybe he has trouble coming. <laughs> Shit, I'm not supposed to make those jokes. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, um, <laughs> sorry, Chad. <laughs> is it time to talk about the story? No. no. <laughs> um, but I think, so Caleb and I were talking and he was like, yeah, it was funny. If you take it as a comedy skit, it's a comedy skit. But the thing is that the whole point of this dinner is that there is camaraderie between these two sparring entities that are endlessly after each other. And the fact that she did that was in poor taste for the situation. I don't know. She made and, fun of both of them. I mean, she made no, fun but he said, yeah, but he would, and this is not a partisan critique. It was too harsh. It was for the intention. Oh, just to the, but then, yeah. so then the conversation carried on, and I was like, well, that's not her fault. That's the people that booked her. It's like they got catfished. It's insane <laughs> to me that the liberal media is criticizing her for this when their organization 
booked her. The Correspondence Association booked her. Is the Correspondence Association liberal? I thought it was bipartisan. I would put almost all media in the liberal category, but that's Except fair. Except Fox News and One American News Network. That's fair. Just the two. Oh, and InfoWars. <laughs> which is not part of I don't which? even know. InfoWars? They're just crazy. InfoWars. That's not a real thing. That is that's not a, a real thing. thing. That but is they correct. invited her. Hashtag fake news. If you've watched anything she's done, which I have not, I think this is probably right in line with everything she's she does. She's on the does. fucking Trevor Noah show. It is liberal satire for politics. It's mean-spirited, but so have the correspondence been for the past, I don't know how many years, when Republicans have been president. Well, also Democrats. They came out. Do we remember yeah. Cecily Strong? Did she get... No. She from Saturday Night Live, remember? She when she did it. No, we can ago. look it up and put it on the Facebook page. I just think that, I think Washington's lost its humor. Well, we can't clearly. We can't sit we've down and so joke much. with each other. We've we lost can't. our soul. We've yeah. lost our moral compass. We've we can lost our have ability to not have sex with porn stars. We've lost so many things, Jen. But I do think that there is. He th- wasn't there president is when he also, did it. Sorry. Just keep going. I just can't wait until it comes out that he did fuck a porn star while he was president. Like it's going to happen. I don't right? think he did. We know he's not fucking Melania. They we sleep don't in different that. rooms. Oh, that's she's true. on the record. Also, sidebar. Did you see the interview with the First Lady of France after the visit? I didn't, but I read about it. Oh, uh, my God. I read it was about am- it. It was amazing. It was like, she's a really good person, but she's trapped in there. She's trapped in the White House. She can't even open the window. And I'm like, what is happening? That seemed weird. What was your take from that? Uh, Do you think that she's really she's trapped in the White House? Like, hashtag no. free Melania. No. No, not hashtag free Melania. I think she's a strong woman who's Melania. making, yeah. Who's Who making makes her, her own choice not to Who speak makes her own to choices and, yeah. Or yeah. to maybe she just doesn't America. want to be around the press because the press I generally is... avoid media at all costs. That doesn't right, but you're not the first not... lady of the United States. That's exactly. Also I mean, fair. she has that's a public a position. Point. She has a public yeah. position. She should engage with the public. I mean, that's my opinion. It's my expectation of my first lady. You're my first lady. But she does. She does stuff. She just doesn't do press briefings. I think she can choose how What's she wants stuff? to be. If she doesn't, if she's not running for office, she can choose how much she wants to be or not to be. And it's, for another first lady who spent point. a weekend with them. I think the First Lady of France didn't like mean to do it in a mean way. I think she was saying she's funny, she's smart, she has this amazing per- I mean, more than half of the review was glowing of Melania. The other half was just things in America are so heated that everyone's so worried about backlash, they just, or her so opinion that's, is that's that they very shut different. it down. Then that's very different than saying she's trapped in the White House and she can't get out and she can't open a window. Well, the, uh, yeah, those the, are very. She's also attacked by the media on every end. It, although so. the review, back to Michelle Wolf. Didn't even touch on Melania. And there's all this speculation about why that is. Shouldn't. Right. But so there is yeah. some level of respect to Melania. There's some shit to say about I that. I didn't have know? a problem with Michelle Wolf. I think she was exactly what this dinner has turned into. So maybe I said to Caleb, so maybe I, we should just abolish a fucking dinner. If it's no longer achieving a goal. So I didn't have a problem with her. I just didn't find the whole thing funny. I found parts of it very funny. The Michigan thing was hysterical. Oh my god! Well, of course, like Trump was in contact with Russia, but But Hillary couldn't get in contact. Okay, I did find that. That was was amazing. (laughs) Because it's true. Yeah. Also, Mike Pence. Mike Pence is Anderson Cooper when he's not gay. I mean, come on. That is hysterical. Well, and the Jake Tapper. Yeah, stuff. and the Jake yeah. Tapper. Again, the first seven minutes were awesome. And it's vulgar for Jen's taste is what we're learning. But the jokes about pulling out, give me a break. That, that was, was fucking funny. hysterical. <laughs> like he pulled out of the, the the Paris Agreement. He did. I mean, he did something when men say it, they don't often do it. So that's worth something, you know? <laughs> I mean, Kelly, you got to put $50 Okay, 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 okay. I'll give money to the right. jar. I'll, I'll give money to the jar. I'm so rich after this. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. Well, only for me because the Democrats are 
over there with like nickels. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm pleased that you all didn't take as much offense to it. But I do think that there is an element that we are in an administration unlike any before in terms of personal behavior, personal monologue, what this administration, what the president is willing to do and say is in a category of its own. We've never had that in this country before. Whether or not you like his politics is one thing, but the way he conducts himself and the way he has conducted himself opens him up to some criticism. And when you add humor on top of it. So I'm going to drop a bomb. Okay. What are you going to do when they have to give him the Nobel Peace Prize for North and South Korea? <laughs> it's, funny. it's pretty funny because what are you going to do? Because they're going to have to do it. My business partner today said, "Whatever, give him a fucking Nobel Peace Prize. We've given him to a whole bunch of other terrible people, so let's just do it." That's also accurate. <laughs> Which is accurate. Yeah, that is also like there's. So do you remember when I was like screaming about like this is assuming that, that his guy North, North and South Korea plan executes as intended. It's looking pretty good. We'll see. I got to go. Those yeah. all those tweets. Apparently everyone he has different definitions of, of denuclearized nuclear. Now I sound like President Bush. How do you say that word? Nuclear. Nuclear. President Bush ought to say nuclear. I love nuclear. President Bush. Nuclear. Don't be mean to President Bush. <laughs> no, can't be mean but, to President but Bush. But he did say, say nuclear wrong. He said it wrong. We all occasionally <laughs> mispronounce things. <laughs> but give, and him, Z's. give credit where credit is due. I mean, and then he just keeps fucking porn stars. And when he's behind bars for collusion with Russia, we'll all... I'll be, you know, so he we'll didn't do that when he was president. <laughs> it's not up to you and me is the thing. Okay. We are not in charge of the investigation. Well, we are simply recipients true. of the information. That is yes. true. We just can't keep spouting stuff All right, he tra- did like Tracy, why don't you ago. bring us on to our next really uplifting All right, conversation. So something really... I'm going to drink this whole bottle of wine by myself today, by the way. Just, Sorry, I only, what, I only this brought is what a, two Republicans in the room makes me I do. only brought a half bottle. <laughs> I brought uh, hot chocolate from Starbucks. So. Yeah, nobody so. confused. Jen is not day drinking. Just like on the record, everybody hear it. Jen is not day drinking. Just Shockingly, Kelly and I are. Oh, and I keep whacking the microphone. I'm sorry, Richard. It's really funny. So, so Bill Cosby just came out. He was found guilty. And so what's interesting about this, and I don't know if anybody has really been paying attention or remembers, but it was 2002 when the first accusation came out against Bill Cosby. And it wasn't until 2004 when a slew of other women came out against him. It is 2018, 14 years later, and he is just now being found guilty. So my question is... So the women coming forward in 2004 did not have the same impact as the women coming forward against Harvey Weinstein Fuck in 2017. Fuck no, Calder Chain Man. Sorry, more money in the swear jar. But shit has changed. God yeah. damn, I can't help myself. I know, and I'm, I'm with you. I am, changed. I am. But like, what do you think? So do you think it was just a timing thing? Or do you think that because Harvey Weinstein was such a giant? But So here's the other interesting thing. I don't know if you've read all the things about what Bill Cosby actually did. Harvey Weinstein is a despicable human being. So please don't take what I'm about to say as if it wasn't. But Harvey Weinstein lured women back to his bed and raped them. Yes. Some of them. Yes. Every one of the women that accused Bill Cosby, he had drugged and raped. Oh, yeah. He had a thing. He had right. a formula for Which, pred- predatory behavior. When all of the women are like, you drugged me and raped me, I don't want to say that it's worse than Harvey Weinstein, but it's really, 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 really bad. It's not like I just turned you down for a job because you wouldn't have sex with me. This is you drugged and raped women. Yeah, so 2004 like the TV dad. to 2017, like the TV dad. what do we think changed? What was... I think Jen should take a crack at this. I've talked a lot about this on this podcast. <laughs> so what do you think it was? Was it Trump? I'm just kidding. It wasn't Trump. No, I, I, th- I think this is how it should always have been. I think the first women that came forward... 
brave. Um, can all get out. Yes, before this was a thing. Yeah. I think they were super brave. I think that was, with Bill Cosby, it was hard because he's he's that character on TV that we all, you know, we wanted to be putting kids in his house. It was so good. The show was yes. so good. And here's the thing. Not even just that he was an actor and played this character that we all loved. He also, off screen, was an advocate for active present parenting and and the African American community. He it, gave big. shit tons of money to self respect, self improvement, education in that community, community development, mm-hmm. totally. And turns out, all the way along, he was just a terrible predator. Yes, terrible, predator. an absolute predator. Which I think also comes with the power that people give celebrity. Yeah, I mean, I think that. And when I was reflecting on this in advance of this podcast, it was that these lines, I think that this country was split on how to feel about Bill Cosby until last week when the verdict came down. And that's because they didn't want all that emotional history in their lives to be somehow proven as bad or wrong. And so there are these lines about where when entertainment sort of infiltrates your life in a way that creates enjoyment or relaxation or for some people whole careers, the line between reality and the fake world sort of the entertainment space is real fucking blurry. Yeah. And like the difference between Bill Cosby, it was called the Cosby show. I mean, his yes. identification between his real life and his yes. fake life was blurred. Yes. You can be a great actor and not a great person. The other thing I think that we mix up in society is you don't have to be a totally bad person or a totally good person. There are people who do bad things and good things. There's that, you know, dichotomy that we can see in people like Bill Cosby, where it's just how can you be advocating for such amazing things on this one end and be doing these horrible things on the other? I, and have, I think that's really yeah. hard. I, I have such a really temptation to, to say that it's a cultural power dynamic. I think that it comes right back to what we've been talking about the entirety of this episode. I think if this is going to be, you guys are going to hate me for this statement, but if there was a woman in the Oval, shit would be different with predatory behavior. I think that there is a power dynamic between men and women in this country. And as soon as women get to be identified as powerful creatures, then there is more safety involved. So with- it's weird because I feel like Bill Cosby probably didn't have to drug women. So when you think about... so, I think well, he could have had sex with whoever he wanted. different totally. psychological right. issue. Like there was something wrong with him. But I think part of why we were more tolerant of Bill Cosby and everybody sort of questioned and was the whole point of he was the Cosby show. He was the dad. He was Bill Cosby. Like he was this character. And um, sorry, my phone's going. Do I have to pay $50 for that too? <laughs> Um, Just to me. Straight, so, I mean, Bill Cosby me. was like this cute, fun guy, and Harvey Weinstein was like Jabba the Hutt. Harvey Weinstein was just kind of gross, and it's different. But what did Harvey Weinstein look like when he first started raping women 25 years ago? That's the same thing, like I said on the show, that Donald Trump was once, and he's not a rapist. I'm not calling the president a rapist. I want to put it down on, just down. But there is behavior that starts when you're the kind of person that gets attention, that carries through until you're Jabba the Hutt. I think these things lasted so long because women just didn't get the benefit of the doubt before now. And I don't think that before... Kelly's so excited. Ding, 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 Isn't ding, it time, ding, Jen? Ding. Isn't it time for women to get the benefit of the doubt? We never have gotten it ever. I it's don't time. think we have to believe every single person, every single thing oh, they say. I thought I was going to get around that Hang on. <laughs> Innocent until proven guilty. But Take when there's more than one, that's a problem. Right. So and absolutely a problem. And you can believe one, but I also think that's where... Society comes back and we don't believe people because... Women. We don't believe women. That's fair. 
women are not as believed as men are. Correct. But or, that's my opinion. Across the board, I think that the level of honesty that exists in society has gone down pretty massively. And that's across the board. I agree with that. Can you elaborate? In entertainment? Everybody or in, lies. Just like girlfriends at a table. Everybody lies in everyday life or people lie inside of power I think everybody has or? a level that they're willing to, you know, do you tell your wife she looks great in a dress? Do you tell your husband, he, you know, like all of those you things. Think, do you think that's new? Do you think we're I lying think it's because growing. we're trying to be more polite? Mm. I feel like we're <laughs> don't not bring political po- correctness into this. <laughs> I don't feel like we're more polite. No, I just I think we're more divisive. I think there's a lot more hate and I think people are willing to say things out of hate. But I also I think agree with that, that I think reality television has a lot to do with that, my own self. And also women, I think it's kind of a cyclical problem is women are targeted because they're not believed. And these guys know that. That just puts you in a cycle of being targeted. But if we're in a cultural change where women have the space to come out Mm -hmm. against something and they get heard because there's space to be heard and believed. They get the uh, benefit of the doubt. Do we take what is Me Too, which is all around sexual assault. Me Too Mm -hmm. is around the worst of the worst. Is there a trickle effect or a ripple effect that allows that believability to go into spaces that are not about safety? That it's just when you talk in a meeting about strategy, you get to be believed also. When maybe a woman's voice isn't as believable as a male's voice. Or when you're interviewing for a job. Or when you're the mom who's taking a conference call on the playground. Or is there space now? I think the only time where my gender's ever come up, I believe, or that I know in job interviews has been on Capitol Hill. And I've never worked on Capitol Hill. But I interviewed for two chief of staff positions and was told on the side that I wouldn't be considered for either of those because of my gender. Holy crap, somebody said those words to you just simple like that. There were friends of mine who were part of the process. One was because the spouse of the... Didn't want a woman Didn't want a woman so close. And the other one just said, you don't want to work here. This is not a person who respects women. And I don't know you well enough to know, like, what your reaction to these sort of comments are. If it was me, I'd be like, fuck you, I'm going to dig in harder. I'm going to get that job. Or were you just like, it's not good for my mental health. I'm going to move on. I what can do good was else. it? Would it be for her to go take a job where they didn't really want her there? Well, and then she was miserable. Not about her, but if it was me. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying. Like, I would be so able to say that you I would start do to break, break up. I would, break go, I would go no. kick ass in my own company. I make a mental note, and then I go get a job that's better and pays more. Yeah. And with people who don't factor my gender in in any way, which is where I am now. Yeah. And... That's I the benefit that, of having that choice. I However, think, yeah, that's like, a great option. It's just not my inclination. It's a problem. And I've heard you guys talk about this on the podcast before. It's where do you start calling people out? Where do you – it hurts your career to do so. Totally. And those kinds of problems. I mean, those actually happen like in tight succession. So that was really demoralizing. But totally. that's where it's like, okay, I need a new direction here. As opposed to trying to – fix a broken thing, go to a place where you can succeed based on your intelligence and your ambition. And this ambition was a while ago. Yeah, so it's, it's, you're not in a position to do a whole lot in that scenario outside of become a new story and then, you know, fade into the distance. Or you when know. you know how to do targeted Facebook ads and you just hammer their home. <laughs> well, it's about the, it's the same conversation, whether, <laughs> nice. w- w- no matter what gender you're in, when you realize, That's and this happens on both sides, all. when you realize we're working for somebody who's not a good person. Right. And, you know, what are your... I've certainly seen plenty of consultants who quit and go work for the other side and just not the other side in a primary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nobody actually goes to the other side in this town. (laughs) No, no. Awesome. Well, I think that it's always super interesting to explore these with 
a fresh <laughs> voice. And, you know, I was your I first always... time. <laughs> How do you feel about today? Did you have fun? This was so much fun, guys. Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm I don't glad. know if I'm going to be able to listen to this. <laughs> you you can. Because I can do it. But I really like the conversation, and I feel strongly about what you guys are doing. And you guys have been so supportive of our offline efforts on this that I— I've heard I've, about those offline efforts. I'm stoked. I mean, I'm not allowed to be part of them, but I, I mean, think they're great. I mean, you could come to the first one. I have, I have a date now. We have a date well, and stuff. The Democratic yeah, women a, have been the example in this regard. That is true. They, let's hope. So thank you. That's, yeah. that's well, where I think we have a lot to learn. I hope you guys get farther faster than we have. So I would like to just do a quick call out to two of my girlfriends, Laurel and Sari, who I met in my first birthing class with our kids who are now seven, who were texting with me about Michelle Wolf leading into this podcast because they're the ones that got me all fired up. So thanks to Laurel and Sarah and their listeners. And I feel like That's we always awesome. need to give thanks. And to you got listeners. all like super yes. fired up today. I did. But you get weren't fired angry. Up. Well, you it, thought you were coming angry. Anger is and hard for me. <laughs> like, That's not true. Well, I can be angry at you, but I don't, there was I nothing like, to get angry at me about today. Oh, there's always something to get angry oh, about. No, yay, I love America. You. Yes, uh, but America's thank you. Yeah, awesome. it's been really good. Thank you for awesome. coming, Jen. Thank it's you really, for having it's me. It's so nice to have it. Yeah, this and congratulations on your new matrimony. Thank you. And I will be following your journey from the sidelines. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Yeah, we had lots of fun today. Thanks everybody for listening. Listen and subscribe to Dame It All to Hell on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. I'll see you next week. Thank you.